Be welcomed into a creative family. Want to get a way to be inspired and make art with other dope Black women artists in Ghana? You might want to join me at my next artist retreat in December. It's an all-inclusive retreat that has you covered on food, housing, and a private car in Ghana. We travel to Cape Coast for an overnight trip to visit the slave dungeons, go to different art workshops like a kente weaving workshop, and go to all the best art spots and meet the best artists in Ghana. You'll leave feeling like Ghana is your second home. Secure your spot for the December retreat. Limited space available. Go to www.kindredcreativesco.org. My name is Victoria. I come from Ghanaian parents and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a painter turned entrepreneur on a mission to empower Black women to step into their genius and make an impact. I have a vision for creative women to feel confident and powerful and let go of all the limiting beliefs holding us back from going all out and showing up. I'm also the founder of the Kindred Creatives Collective, where I host dinners and retreats to host space for Black women to prioritize self-care, build a tribe, and feel inspired. I want a world where Black women artists are celebrated, valued, and paid more. My goal for this podcast is to help women of color build sustainable and purpose-driven practices. Every week, I'll chat with a boss who's making bold moves in her industry as a creative entrepreneur. After hanging out with us, you'll feel empowered to build your own creative empire. Now let's start the show. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So excited to talk to you some more. Thanks for having me. Of course. I am super excited because I've actually never had someone with your background on here with okay. more of a like a writer type of like film background. And you have so much experience that I really feel honored that you're even here. Oh, so, thank you. I really appreciate that. No, I'm serious. This is exciting to talk to. I feel like I'm going to learn so much and my audience will too. Let's get into it because I really love to start from the beginning to learn more about your start and how you got started as a creative, really. It's super fascinating to me to learn. So I'm curious to know, what's your first memory as in creative? So like, when did you first know that this was something you wanted to do? Um, I was in high school and I was majoring in architecture uh, by way of my dad and my mom. And I knew I did. I liked architecture, but I knew I didn't want to do it professionally. And I was in school. I think it was my junior year, or maybe the beginning of my senior year. And I was telling my classmate, you know, I don't know what I want to do. She was like, well, you talk a lot. Maybe you should do like a personality test and see if you can do media. So I was like, oh, okay. So I went online and I did like those like psychology tests. Mm-hmm. And I had the same personality as Oprah. So I was like, you know what, screw it. I always liked entertainment and I like to read and sing and do all these different creative things. Let me pursue that. And then from there, once graduating, I majored in television and radio in college and, you know, interned and it just kind of like snowballed from there. 
Yes, I love that. And big ups to Oprah because who doesn't <laughs> yes. want to be like her? I uh, know, right? <laughs> I love that. And it makes sense because I know we talked earlier about just like your spirit and how you had this like drive to keep going. And some of that, I think, comes from who you are, your personality, but also I think maybe from your upbringing. Can you talk more about your early um, start, how you got started with writing and really broke into the industry? Sure. So after that, after I took the test, majored in television and radio, told my parents what I wanted to do. They were not happy. And then I kind of complained to my brother, like, you know, I don't know. (laughs) And then he was like, don't listen to them keep going. So I continued in school and he ended up having a friend that worked at Miramax at the time in the legal department. And he was like, oh, my sister needs an internship. Can you put her on? And she was like, sure. So I interned there in the business affairs department. And then when I got there, I really loved the internship. They were great. But one thing I did observe was that all the Black and Latino people were either in the mailroom, security, or cleaning staff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to really hustle my ass off if I want to make it in this business because ain't nobody up in here that look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, I just kind of like aggressively searched for internships. And I think, yeah, I got one at Lifetime after that. I interned at Def Jam. That was a crazy story. Um, and then <laughs> how I got that internship. I basically stalked the lady in HR and like called her from the elevator bank you know, you know, like That's when they so used to funny. have those phones where you would have to call people to come inside. Yes. And I was like, oh, I have a meeting with so-and-so. <laughs> and she See? came out like, who are you? And I was like, look, <laughs> I just want an internship. Here's my resume. You know, I hope you call me for an interview. She did and I got it. So That is like, so funny. <laughs> Sometimes oh you got to do that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Def Jam, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. How long were you working there? Um, I did it during the semester. Okay. So it was like spring semester of my sophomore year, I think. Nice. Um, and then I interned at 2020, Tony Danza's show, Sesame wow. Workshop. Like I interned at, I, and then my last semester, I strategically interned, interned at MTV because I wanted to work there upon graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got lucky. I got the internship senior year because of my resume. Although I was aggressive with that too, because I had to interview. They, she seemed to have liked me, but she was already checked out and quit. So I was okay. like, oh God, here we go again. So right. <laughs> I kept calling and calling and nobody was picking up the phone. And I, I just tried different extensions. And then they were like, oh, she was replaced. And then they sent me to the girl, the new girl. And then from there, I was able to talk to her and she was like, oh yeah, your resume was in the pile. I was like, look, I really want an internship. It's my last semester. I'm looking to get work as, as soon as I graduate. And she was like, all right, come in. And then they brought me in and I, I worked doing logging tapes for a, a show that replaced Pimp My Ride. And I oh, just- Pimp My Ride. Got, yeah, I just got hired after graduating and I hustled and I worked my way through. Um, then I eventually um, started doing casting freelance casting for like reality docu-series um and then from there I was like all right I'm kind of like tapped out of this what's next um and I was like oh development's next because I want to get into scripted so I was like okay most people who did casting get into development then I realized that most of the people who had a casting experience also supplemented their experience with production experience 
So I was working at another company at the time, freelancing. And this girl was like, hey, do you want an associate producer job at the Steve Harvey show? And I was like, sure. So I went to Chicago, worked there for like half of a season, came back to New York during hiatus. And within weeks of me coming back, I got a development job. So I didn't go back to the Steve Harvey show. And then after that, I continued to work in development, mainly in a casting capacity, but I was still like developing ideas and shaping and working on characters and stuff like that. And that's around the time that I started to produce and write because I knew I wanted to get into scripted. I thought that I was going to work my way up the executive ladder and eventually like become senior in development and unscripted and then pivot to scripted. But I just got tired of the politics and the racism, just the drama and, you know, working in these offices, it was like taking a toll on my health and mm-hmm. I just was miserable. So I ended up meeting Reggie Williams, who's a co-founder of Black Film Space around this time. And we met up for coffee. He was like, you know, I'm tired of being on set and not seeing anyone that looks like me. And I was like, well, I'm tired of the BS at my job. Why don't we, you know, link up with some friends that work in film and do like brunch? That brunch turned into happy hour. We got to connect and like 40 people came. And then from that community, you know, and then we did like a screenwriting workshop. We did like a talk with Pete Chapman, who's like a really big deal in film and television right now. And I just continued to work my way through this organization and also supplement that by creating at the same time. And that community gave me the motivation to feel confident about my work enough to make a film. And I made my first film and it did well. It aired on Shorts TV, uh, which is a channel co-owned by AMC Networks. And that's when I was like, okay, like I'm still learning my craft, but I think I have something here. I'm going to continue with this path. But that's basically my story. I love that so much. Can we just pause for (laughs) just all that you have accomplished like what thank you so much (laughs) no I mean for real and just like what I got from that is you have to keep going right you have to keep you have to have this mindset of growth and learning and to like figure it out as you go because I'm Mm -hmm. sure you didn't think you would end up where you ended up but you just kept taking one step in front of the other like trying for internships and not giving up I think that's a Mm -hmm. huge deal people give up too soon thank you so much I really appreciate that because I mean there were a lot of moments where I was like am I cut out for this I don't Mm -hmm. know you know and every time I tried to leave the industry something would happen like around the crash because I graduated a year after the start the big crash of 2008 okay and I wasn't working for like six months and I was like all right I gotta get a job so Mm -hmm. I went to New York City Department of Ed I was like I guess I'm gonna sub and become a teacher and get my master's like I was just gonna become a professor or figure something else out and I got I took the test passed the test was gonna go for fingerprinting and then like the night before I got a job (laughs) in television It was meant to be. It's like everything seems to just kind of work out for you because I feel like you are where you're supposed to be. Like this is your gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. No, definitely. I want to get back into meeting Reggie and starting Black Film Space because I love what you do there. Can you talk more about what is Black Film Space and what's your mission around it? Sure. Um, so Black Film Space is based, it's a nonprofit organization 
that's designed to support content creators of African descent. Um, and our main thing is focused on skill enhancement because that was another thing that Reggie and I lamented on when we initially met, which is that we go to these like industry soirees and people kind of give these really vague responses to craft related questions. Right. And we wanted to create a space where people are getting specific so that every time a member comes to an event that we hold, they have a takeaway and they can apply it to their next project or their next script, next time they're on set, whatever, you know, because that's, that's really where the gap is between black folks and other groups in this industry. Not only do we not have access to opportunity, but in order to sustain and keep those opportunities, there are, you know, codes of conduct. There are certain specific craft related things that we need to know that a lot of times we don't know until it's too late or after, until they, you know, fire us or don't call us back for the next job. Right. So, you know, we wanted to create a community where our creatives felt safe. And then I think another thing too, which is part of why I think our screenwriting workshops, uh, workshops excuse me, are so popular is that, you know, and I've been through this too. I'll read my scripts. Everyone's white that's in the room. And we spent, I spend more time explaining Mm, what the script is rather than getting feedback on the actual script um so you know people say oh well why can't you know other people come in but it's because of stuff like that right like a Mm -hmm. lot of times when I read my script in black film space workshops people get it right away even if they're not from the same ethnic group and maybe it's specific to my Nigerian American identity there is some there's an aspect of what I'm writing that most black people can relate to and connect with and so it's easier for them to point out what will improve my script rather than mm-hmm. trying to understand what my script is. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? It definitely does. Yeah. And really, when you have to continually explain yourself, you're not able to grow. You're like stuck in this place right. where you're like just telling someone what you're doing instead of like growing or learning or getting better. And I really think that's systematic, a way for them to like keep us down because they're acting confused. It's not that confusing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) of course, you know, I just think they think, you know, and I like, that's very discouraging because you're writing, it's a really vulnerable exercise to, you know, share your innermost thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. on paper to a group of people you don't know. So when they act confused or if they are genuinely confused, it's discouraging because it's like, well, yeah. damn, is anybody going to relate to my work? Like, you know, exactly. Does it really make sense to even put it out there? You know, all of those different things that sometimes run through people's minds. Yeah, um, so. no, I totally get that. I think as creatives, we're so vulnerable putting our work out there. And Absolutely. so any feedback is important, but it really does feel personal because it's like from our heart, it's like from our soul. And right. so I get that. I know that that's definitely a challenge that a lot of creatives face, criticism. And like you were saying earlier, not knowing like code of conduct and like what to do, like when you get a call back or how to right. like, you know, make the next move so that you can be successful. There's certain things that you don't know unless you're in it you're in it or you're experiencing it. And that's why I think mentorship is so important. And I love that you have that component for Black film space. I think that's super important. It's not just getting the door, it's what happens once you're through that door. Like how do you keep like growing and seceding, right? So love that. And so I'll definitely have a place for you to like shout out how people can get in contact with 
Black Film Space, but are there, so specifically your services that you offer or how can people kind of get in contact or be involved with Black Film Space? Absolutely. So um, there's several ways um, you can become a member. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just launched, we launched a membership plan. Oh my God, it's going on a year in October. Congrats. Thank you. And the membership includes, free, again, access to workshops, panels and events. Um, grant writing, grant opportunities, excuse me, you can join our database, you know, there's a mentorship program affiliated with the membership. There are a lot of specific perks that members can, you know, participate in and you can, you know, you can play for two plans. There's the gold plan, which obviously has more uh, incentives. And then there's the silver plan. We have uh, a yearly rate available and also a monthly rate available as well. So there's options in terms of payment for those of us that you know, don't make a lot of money right now because that's something that we also try to consider as well, like keeping our events affordable, keeping everything related to our organization affordable. Another way you can get involved is by volunteering. Um, We're always looking for volunteers in various departments and we're actually expanding, you know, our team and everything that we plan to do structurally in terms of like the organization, nonprofit aspect of our organization. So if you are interested in that, you can also email us at info at blackfilmspace.com. Lastly, we have a Google group. If you want to join the Google group, we do weekly job postings and blasts uh, for various opportunities throughout the country in the industry. You can email us at info at blackfilmspace.com and just note that you want to join our Google group. Love all of that. There's so many access points that people can kind of get in contact with you and also be involved. So at different levels too, like if you're not able to afford, you know, certain things, you can still be engaged and be a part of the community. So yeah. Oh, and our website. Yes, (laughs) the website. Oh my God. (laughs) It's it's blackfilmspace.com. It's the name and you can search us under that name on all social media platforms. Um, uh, Instagram is usually where we have the most activity and then our Facebook group as well. Awesome. And if y'all didn't catch that, she is the co-founder. Okay. Like she (laughs) started this with Reggie. So this is like, you're getting gems here. This is amazing. I love when like black women start things and not only do they start something, but they're supporting another black creative. Like I think that's so important. So how do you balance it all? Because I know it's probably a lot to run this organization. How are you able to kind of manage your creative practice with the business? That's a great question. I was not managing it, to be honest. So Mm -hmm. smart. (laughs) Yes, I was not. I'm just being honest. You know, I was all over the place, stressed. I was not getting a lot of sleep. So mm-hmm. what, um, you know, and I, I know Reggie's also kind of at that point because we really want to start working on our own projects, mm-hmm. but we feel like, you know, this organization is like our baby. It's something that we're yeah. really emotionally invested in. Um, so that's why I said, you know, we're working on expanding our team to find folks that we can manage, who can replace our positions so that we can have more time to focus on our endeavors as creatives. Um, but yeah, like sometimes you got to take a break, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And let go, right? Like that's how you expand any business, any organization is by allowing people to run things for you or manage it while you continue to expand in other capacities so that you can do more long-term for the organization. So I know that once my career really gets to the point where I know it'll get to, hopefully that soon, (laughs) I can 
I can do so much more for Black film space that'll benefit it on a much longer term basis. So yeah, that's my plan. Yeah. And I think you raise a good point that you don't have to do it all. So a business coach once told me that a lot of businesses fail their first or second year because they don't hire soon enough. Yep. It's so important to get that help. And even like getting someone to do the job that you do so that you can focus on like making money and your creative mm-hmm. side and all of that, you mm-hmm. know, it's not that someone is taking over your job is that they're like adding to it so that you can do other things. Exactly. Your time. So exactly. yeah, girl, get you some help, hire as soon as <laughs> possible. I am all for that. I think it's so important. And we sometimes think that we can't afford it, but you'll be surprised like a little right. personal assistant or whatever doesn't cost that much depending on how how many hours so exactly exactly that's great exactly. advice yeah. so going back to your personal practice because I love that you are a writer I think that your storytelling is always on point mm-hmm. and I'm just so curious to know how your identity really as a Nigerian American woman your dual identity has influenced your writing Um, It's like basically the centerpiece of Mm -hmm. why I write Um, because like I'm Nigerian, but in a lot of Nigerian spaces, I'm not exactly seen as, you know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, Nigerians are purists, right? Like they're always trying to qualify how purely aligned you are with their cultural identity or ethnic identity. I don't fit the bill because I was raised here. I I get that too. And I'm Ghanaian American, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super frustrating, but I've realized like, I can't change this. I'm going to turn it into a strength and recognize that I'm a bridge between the continent and the diaspora. And then also in black American spaces, I'm not fully black American either. A member of the diaspora, you know, from a multi-generational standpoint. So I've decided to just incorporate that in my writing. Um, and I have done so in almost all of the projects that I've written, except for my first short. Um, there's always an aspect of, you know, there's always a Nigerian American or, you know, some sort of like interdiasporic angle, you know, like I, I really want us to see the relationships that make us connected. I'm super passionate about it. And the division amongst us actually really irritates me. So I have decided to kind of champion being the bridge to a degree. And I know that there are other creatives out there that are doing the same because there really is like, you can step back and observe both communities and then kind of create work that allows you to, you know, speak to both of them. Um, And I see that now as an advantage for me. So there's that. And then also I still have like so many Nigerian values that I didn't realize I had. And my artistic journey has showed me that those things exist and that I'm actually interested in exploring it. So I'm really interested and curious to see over time where I stand on this whole identity conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But right now I'm like, I'm a little bit of everything. I'm a little bit of both, you know? And I grew up (laughs) in New York. So ethnic diversity was embraced here. Right. You know, I didn't feel like I had to choose an identity. I grew up around Black people across the diasporic spectrum, like Afro, Latino, Caribbean, Black American, African, like everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I even had Black friends who had British, multi-generational British family members. You know, like I grew up around a lot of ethnic diversity. So 
again, that gives me a very good understanding, a macro understanding of the Black experience. And I try my best to incorporate that into how I write and the type of characters that I write. Um, Yes. Have you been back home? Because I know when I went back to Ghana and I was trying to really find my community of artists there. In the beginning, it was a real struggle because they saw me as an outsider, right? Like right. this American coming in, they didn't trust me. And I eventually made friends and have some of my best friends are back home. But I'm curious if you have been able to go back and and like what's the art scene like in Nigeria? So that's interesting you asked that because I just shot a doc oh, out there. Nice. Yeah, um, in June and while out there, you know, it it incorporates um, aspects of the arts. Mm -hmm. And my fiance who lives out there currently, he's an artist. So by default of being with him, I was heavily exposed to the artistic scene. And I was like, okay, like I really (laughs) relate to these Nigerians more so than like the suit and tie folks, you know, Mm -hmm. like socially, I just feel a lot more connected. The conversations are way more aligned with my personal view on things and you know this I remember one time we went to a friend his friend's house and we were up for hours just talking about politics and art and race mm. and all these things and I was yes. like yes 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 <laughs> you know? I love those conversations <laughs> yeah so I definitely definitely feel there's a thriving Nigerian art scene and it's only growing because a lot more families are feeling comfortable Mm-hmm. supporting their children in the arts because they're starting to see how much money people right. are making in the arts <laughs> right people are saying so. that it's actually profitable so they're like all right I guess you can do that <laughs> yes I mean it's, you know it's not easy it's tough yeah but it can be done you know yeah absolutely there's a lot of people who are like super successful making good money and doing what they love and I feel like you can everyone should be able to do that they shouldn't live a life that's miserable Agreed. Not everybody's yeah. supposed to be corporate. No. I know I, I know I'm not. Not at all. I couldn't survive. I would <laughs> tap out. Yeah. yeah. But talking about really your self-care and how to keep yourself, you know, sane, really, what do you do for your own restoration? Um, so I'm <laughs> desperately trying to cling on to the rules I've made for myself. Um mm-hmm. I don't work after seven. I try to watch a movie every night, like at least once a night. I do my very, very best not to work on the weekends. And if I do only for like to send an email, you know, like no extensive work on the weekends. Yeah. Um, Because I was just going insane. Like I was constantly working 24 seven. Um, So that's that. And then I think my morning routine is something that I really hold dear to myself. You know, as soon as I wake up, I journal, I pray, I meditate, you know, I, I work out. You know, and I think those things keep me balanced because when I wasn't doing those things, I was going a little nutty, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was because I was stressed. I was extremely stressed. And I just had to have a real conversation with myself. Like you express love for yourself by taking care of yourself and, you know, and the work as much as you love what you do, it can't come before your well-being. And there are times I'm like, oh, I just want to do that one thing. But I'm like, no, Londe, don't do it remember how you feel when you burn out. Right. Mm. Um, so I always go back to how do you feel when you're burnt out and you're overworked? If you want to avoid that, you're going to have to prioritize your routine, your self-care routine. 
And one yes. thing I do want to do also is start getting massages a little mm-hmm. bit more frequently, just, mm-hmm. you know, really pampering myself. I think that's important. And I love to do my nails. I do my own nails. I do like UV gel and all that, you know, so different things like that, like exploring my creativity in other ways that are like an, ex- an opportunity for me to adorn myself. Um, I think that's also a form of self-care as well. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And something you just mentioned made me think about something I've been thinking about, about you said something about how you love, you love this so much. You want to keep doing it, but you have to tell yourself, no, I need a break. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I don't think people say enough. They, people always say, find what you love and it won't feel like work. But mm. even when you do something <laughs> that you love, it still takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot out yes. of you. And it's still important to have that balance and to take that time for yourself to do something that you also love to do that's a little bit more like rejuvenating in a different way, right? So I, I think that's super smart, what you just said about like, I love this thing. I love writing. I love, you know, screenplays. I love film. I love all of it. But I know that if I'm starting to feel burnt out from doing what I love, I need to do something else to like bring me back and balance it. Yeah. And that and is so you, smart. Yeah. Paying attention to that gut feeling. Like for me, I know I get anxious and irritable. So I have to just, when I'm like getting like that, I got to chill. You yeah. Know what I mean? So you got to yeah. also know like, okay, when am I, when am I going on a deep end? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get super like sad. Like I get really emotional when I get stressed out yeah. and I'll like cry for like no reason. I'm like, okay, you're acting like a nutcase. Really? <laughs> you're stressed out. <laughs> yeah. You need to figure it out take a step back right but yeah tap into your body like your body will tell you what's up absolutely I totally agree with that and your emotions as well yeah yeah (sighs) okay so I could talk to you all day but I have one more question (laughs) okay sure let's shoot so this is more like an advice question because I feel like you have so much wisdom to share. And I'm really curious to know someone who's starting out in your industry, in the film industry, what would you say is your best advice? So it's interesting you asked me that because I just spoke to my little cousin this weekend and I was like, you need to get in the game. Like don't sit <laughs> on your resume or your degree. Like guys, don't wait till your senior year to intern. I'm really mm-hmm. talking, especially to Black, students intern as soon as you can uh, one thing I, you know I don't want to be long-winded but let me try to keep this short but one thing I did do while I was in college because my department was like oh you can't intern until you have 90 credits I'm like I'm always going to be a senior and they were yeah. like yeah and I was like nah f that so what I did was I went to the <laughs> economics department and I was like look what do you got what electives do you guys have and they were like you know we have an internship elective I'm like great I'm going to sign up I'm in the TV and radio department, but I, can I sign up? They were like, sure. You just have to, you have to submit a paper at the end of the semester detailing your internship for credits. So that's what I would do. Go to another department or take an elective course that is an internship-based course so that you don't have to wait on your department to give you an internship. I really, Smart. yes, that, that's how you work around that issue. I would really, really recommend you start interning early so that you can develop contacts because a lot of us don't have access to contacts. Mm. My parents are first generation, you know, they're immigrants, right? Mm -hmm. They don't know anyone at Warner Brothers or anything like that. So that's how you could work around that issue if your school is being difficult. Another thing too is don't sit on your resume. Like you might feel like, oh, I haven't done anything. 
find ways to incorporate or, you know, to put incorporate your past experiences or what you're doing on campus, develop a resume, make sure it's super thorough, comb through, have an older cousin or family member look through it, or, you know, it's a professor, make sure that you're groomed. If you have, if you're doing something that requires a portfolio, make a mock web, you know, website on Squarespace, it's $16 a month. You know, you can even do like a splash page with just your work and your email, like just make sure you have your shit together because that's going to get you in the door and that's going to let people take you seriously because this is an apprenticeship and relationship-based business. And if people feel like you're going to be a liability, they're going to tell everybody. Mm, yes. It's you about know? relationships. Yes. Yeah. So, so you have to make sure that you don't waste time. You know, I mean, I, I just see this a lot with a lot of black professionals, you know, they're waiting, they're applying for jobs on like monster, like, no, like you need to like, get out there, hustle, do what I did with Def Jam, find the address, email the people, you know, don't stalk them, but just be <laughs> assertive. Like, you know, gent- yeah. what did someone say in a panel one time? They were like, be like gently persistent, mm, right? Yes. Yeah, you got to put in that effort because yes. no one is going to hand you anything. Exactly. Yeah. And don't DM people like, oh, you know, hello. Some some folks in this industry don't respond to that. You know, you have mm. to gauge your audience, right? Like, not everybody is under twenty five and on Instagram twenty four seven. So people are old school and they want an email. So right. when in doubt, use email. If they don't get back to you, hey, I sent you an email from this address. You know, you could DM them that. Be make sure everything's spelled correctly. You know, can you? You know, I'd love if you could check it out when you get a chance. Also, another thing too is don't make your relationships about what can you do for me? I want, I want, I want. Also make sure that when you approach people, you are coming with um, an energy of service, right? So it's not just, I need this from you. Can you help me? Because this is another thing I've noticed with a lot of young people. Y'all only hit me up when y'all want something. (laughs) No. So true. Contact people and let them know that you're ready to be of service with whatever they need as well. Because people do not like feeling like they're being used. There are a lot of users in this industry. You don't want to be categorized or, or prematurely assessed as one of those types of people. So how you communicate and what you communicate is really important. All these gems you are dropping. I hope they're <laughs> yeah. catching it. I hope the audience is catching all of this wisdom because this is like, I don't even know. I mean, people pay money to get this type of advice. <laughs> So thank Thank you you so much. So so much flattery. Thank you. I mean, we have to let people know our genius because (laughs) we got to uplift each other up. So I want you to have an opportunity to share about how people can get in contact with you. So if you want to share your personal website, social media, anything you want to share, if people want to get in contact with you, you already talked about Black Film Space, but is there anything any other way people can reach you? Absolutely. You can get in touch with me uh, via my own website, which is One Scribe Media. One is spelled out um, or at Londe at One Scribe Media. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those old school people. Email me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It always works. It always works. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on and talking about your experiences. I love it. Anything else that you want to share? Anything you want to talk about that I missed? No, I think all sounds good. I'm I'm really happy that you had me on. I really appreciate 
that you uh, welcomed me onto your platform and also gave me an opportunity to share Black Film Space's uh, journey as well. Anytime. Come back whenever you like. We'll do. We'll do. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. Take care. See you next week. Same day, same time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And send me a comment if you really like this one. And remember to uplift and support another woman creative today. Always remember to embrace your creative genius.